It's a brand new year, 2018. Hey, it's 2018. Hey, it's a brand new year. Hello to all our listeners. Happy New Year and welcome to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast on all things about energy. I'm your host, Sidney Alvarez. This is our first podcast for 2018. Like a lot of us, you may already be reconsidering your New Year's resolution to lose weight or reach a new goal. I'm doing hot yoga. But electric power companies don't have a choice. They must stick to the mission of providing a safe, reliable, resilient, and responsible distribution of power, even in the face of tremendous change and uncertainty. Our guest today is someone in that role of knowing what's ahead in the power industry and determining how to handle that change. Matt Ketchke is Senior Vice President of Customer Energy Solutions, but we like to refer to him as the guy with the crystal ball. Hey, Matt, thanks for dropping by. Hey, Sydney, happy new year. Good to be here. It's hard to believe it's been a year since you told us what to look for in 2017. Last year, you said you hope to characterize 2017 as a year of transition, a point when the power industry, our company, and our state would move toward cleaner energy and an industry more based on renewable energy, with more focus on customers. Question number one, did all that come to be? And second, how does that play into trends for 2018? So 2017 really was a very big year for the company. and A lot of those changes happened. Um, we saw record adoption of new distributed generation coming on our system. We had over 58 megawatts of new distributed generation coming on our system. Um, and there were some really big projects, too. So the biggest project we've really ever seen interconnected system came on this year. One of them was a 2-megawatt solar system in Pleasantville, New York, at uh, Swiss Re's headquarters building. And another huge project that came on was over a megawatt of new solar at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So these are some really big projects. On the energy efficiency and demand management side, Mm -hmm. this is an area that has been growing as part of our business and how we help the state achieve their policy objectives of having customers use energy more efficiently and reducing peak demand. We saw over 290 gigawatt hours of energy efficiency adopted by our customers last year. So if if I remember correctly, that's you're basically tripling what we projected, correct? So that we projected somewhere around 100 gigawatt hours when we talked last year, and we saw almost a tripling of that. Wow. So, so what does that mean? That means that we were able to work with our customers to help them adopt more energy-efficient appliances and technology and help them use less energy all year long. So we're doing two things here, right? So uh, from a customer perspective, we're helping them save, number one, correct? Correct. Okay. And then uh, from a second approach from uh, as a company, we're, we're, we're meeting our goals and, you know, we're basically helping the environment, right? We're helping the environment. We're helping the state achieve their policy objectives. And on top of that, the state has given us the opportunity to earn additional revenue by doing that. So we earned $9 million additional dollars in incentive payments from the state for helping achieve those policy goals of more energy efficiency by our customers. Okay, so let's, let's, let's um, focus on the second part of that question. How does that play into 2018? So 2018, we're going to see a continuation of some of these things, uh, but the goals get harder. So our goal for energy efficiency is almost 50% higher um, for next year, and we think we can do that with some hard work, and our goals for peak load reduction are equally about 50% higher. Um, But the state has also given us the opportunity to earn even more. So if I look at our incentive opportunities for 2018 to help the state achieve its policy objectives around clean Mm -hmm. 
energy efficiency, we have almost $16 million worth of earnings opportunities from that. A lot of the language with us is, you know, clean generation, renewables. We're, we're hitting those goals too, right? We are. So for this year, we hit our goals for new renewable generation coming on for distributed generation, and we expect next year to be even bigger. Right now, we have over 3,000 jobs for over 67 megawatts already in the queue for to come online in 2018. Yes, renewables are booming, but some who follow that market say this year could be a make or break year. State governments are being challenged by the Trump administration to defend their 21st century policies, such as mandating that 50% of electricity generation come from clean, renewable sources like solar and wind power by 2030. So Matt, how do you see this shaping up here? Well, I think 2018 is going to be an interesting year. Clearly, there's been some disagreement between federal and state policymakers about how we get to our objectives around clean energy and renewable energy. But one thing is clear, uh, that our customers really want clean energy. Um, they're very interested in clean energy, but they're also interested in it being reliable and affordable. So one of the things we're going to have to work with state policymakers over the next year is on how we procure all of those renewables that the state would like to have and how we integrate them into the system in a way that's both affordable for customers and reliable for the system. This also ties into with the Public Service Commission's new compensation system, correct? DER, reduced uh, development cost. Tell me about this. So the Public Service Commission has asked us to work with developers of DER to figure out how we can lower the cost to bring those distributed generation resources online, um, both at the distributed level and at the larger bulk power level, or what we call utility scale. These would be large um, power plant-sized resources, things like offshore wind farms. So how do we compensate or pay for those systems? And how do we do that in a way that is most effective for customers? So New York is one of those states, and uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo seems pretty determined to move towards a green energy economy. Just this week, he called for solicitations from the power industry for at least 800 megawatts of offshore wind this year. Matt, weigh A on this. So it's it's 800, the way he's, the way the, the solicit, the state of the state, it was 800 megawatts over the next two years, 400 each of the years. So those are huge numbers. Those are some of the biggest proposals we've seen nationally on the amount of offshore wind um, that states would be looking to build. So it's going to be important for us to work with the state to figure out the best way to do that, how to procure it, um, how to build it, how to interconnect it to the utility systems, and then how to make sure that our customers benefit from it, and we procure those things in the most cost-effective way possible for customers. Sometimes I hate to say this, but you know it's a fact of these buzzwords. Prosumers, we've been hearing a lot about this. You know, tell us what all this is about. So prosumers are a buzzword, really to talk about active energy consumers. These are the people who would be much more interested in actively managing their energy usage. They'd be people who have things like solar on their house, maybe own an electric vehicle, mm -hmm. are interested in having smart thermostats and controlling how they use energy. What about storage? So I, I remember we, we've been talking about battery storage. How's that um, shaping up for 2018? So there's a lot of interest in storage. We expect that the state of New York is going to issue a roadmap for storage sometime in 2018 to kind of to lay out the plan for the state on storage. And we have some storage that's been deployed on the system, including a project that Con Ed is building for ourselves as part of our Brooklyn Queens Demand Management Program. 
Uh, but one thing about storage is that the fire department of the city of New York is concerned about storing large amounts of energy inside buildings. Yes. So we've had to work pretty closely with the fire department as they evaluate the codes and standards required to install install electric storage inside buildings to make sure it's safe. At least for part of 2018, Con Edison and other New York utilities will continue the massive project of restoring electric power to Puerto Rico. Now, along the way, restoration should make the island's grid more resilient. So, Matt, what's ahead in the area of resiliency there and here? So, huge challenges in Puerto Rico as they rebuild the grid. And as you think about resiliency and distributed generation and distributed resources and renewables and how those will all work together. I think what they're going to do in Puerto Rico is is rebuild a grid, but rebuild a robust grid that will be hardened for future storms. That'll be one key aspect. And then integrate into that forms of renewable generation like solar and wind, coupled with storage and some customer-sided generation, really to make a networked system that will be more resilient for future storms. And that's part of what we're thinking about here in New York as well. Um, How do we integrate generation at the customer side with new large-scale renewables and network those things all together with a robust distribution grid that makes it all work? So, Matt, what do you see happening in, in 2018 for electric vehicles? So I think 2018 for Con Ed and the New York area in general will be a breakthrough year for electric vehicles. Um, electric vehicle adoption nationally has been a little slow. It's really been driven by California. Actually, I was out in California just a couple months ago, and I got picked up in an Uber by a Tesla, something you wouldn't <laughs> see too often in New York. Um, but to meet the state policy objectives around reducing carbon emissions, transportation is really going to be have the next area that is focused on. So for Con Ed, we're going to focus on helping customers adopt electric vehicles and making it a good choice for them. So how are we going to do that? So things like our smart charge program, where we install a device into an electric vehicle that allows us to monitor when they charge and give them a rebate for off-hours charging. Things like working with the city of New York on deploying curbside charging and also working with the city and other stakeholders on getting fast charging stations out there. And both of those things help customers reduce what they call range anxiety, or mm-hmm. I won't be able to refuel my electric vehicle if I take it out. It's a concern for a lot of potential electric vehicle owners, but if they see those charging stations out there and see that charging infrastructure, they're more likely to adopt an electric vehicle. Speaking of high tech, what's coming to the grid? So I think the next big thing we've heard a lot about is digitization of the electric grid. And what do people mean around digitization of the grid? Um, When I think about it, it's really overlaying technology onto our existing electric grid. Things like communication systems and sensors that give us more information about what's going on on the grid and allow us to operate it more efficiently and effectively. People are always asking me, hey, describe the grid. (laughs) How would you describe it? So, you know, the grid is really this interconnected network of electric carriers to bring energy to customers historically. And now it's going to be asked to operate more bi-directionally or bring energy Mm -hmm. to and from customers who are potentially producing energy. So if I think about digitization of the grid, Mm -hmm. what's an example of that? I think our smart meters and AMI program is one of the best examples of overlaying communication and sensing technology to get more information about what's going on in the grid. So, for example, an old standard meter at a residential installation gave us one meter reading once a month about how much energy that consumer consumed over a 30-day period. So you can 
give much more control to a customer over how they're using energy, what they could change, how they can use energy more wisely, more efficiently, and make better choices. Yeah, so if they can see that they're using uh, more energy at a particular time of day, they can try to adjust their habits. Exactly. So a customer could see, I'm using a lot more energy in the middle of the day on the hottest days. Maybe I would consider an air conditioning upgrade and upgrading my air conditioner a more efficient unit. Or I could see I'm using an awful lot of energy here at night. Maybe I should do a lighting upgrade. So, Matt, at the beginning of the show, I described you as the man with the crystal ball when it comes to energy. If you can kind of maybe hit some specific quick goals for 2018, what would they be? So I think helping our customers adopt more energy efficient, more energy efficiency will be a key goal. I think thinking about how we integrate large-scale renewables and work with the state on how to procure those renewables in a way that makes sense for all of our customers is a big goal. And the third one is thinking about how we pay for our grid in the longer term is a key goal. So most of our customers today are on what's called volumetric rates, where they pay for all of their grid use in how much energy they use. And over time, we think that really you have two products there, not one. You have access to the grid, which is access to a network, and you have the energy you consume. And they're actually different. The way I explain it to some people is, think about your cable. Mm -hmm. You have a connection to a network in your cable TV provider, and then you have all the content that comes along with whatever shows you watch. In a lot of ways, that's how our system works. We provide a connection to a network that increasingly some customers will use bidirectionally, and that provides access to energy, which is the content. Mm -hmm. And how do we think about separating those out? Historically, you couldn't separate them because we had metering technology that only allowed you to take one snapshot every 30 days about how much energy right. somebody consumed over that time period. But if you have data points, 40,000 of them a month about how consumers are using energy, you can really change how you think about charging customers for that energy to reflect how they use the system. Wow, just absolutely amazing. And it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. The, the information that you share with us is just absolutely terrific. So Matt, thank you very much. Thanks, Sydney. Thank you for listening to this episode of Plugged In. A reminder to our listeners, we are on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our handle is at Con Edison. If you have a story idea or thoughts about the program, you can send an email to podcast at con I'm your host, Sidney Alvarez. Thanks for joining us, and until next time.